0: hello there wrestling fans and welcome to episode number 95 of because wcw the podcast where the big boys play my name is the twisted genius dean aes and i am joined as ever by my co-host the dazone sports journalist and what a week he's had this week liam hap good evening to you sir good
1: evening to you i'm i'm I did notice you didn't ask me how am I doing, and that's well, a. Wise that was thing because the answer that, that be was That was going to
0: be. That was going to be my next question of tired. how am I am Tired. Yeah,
1: I'm tired. Right. Dean I'm knackered. I'm cream cracked. I'm exhausted. I'm jet lag. I'm not really jet lag because I'm not being. I wish I was on a plane, but I have all the effects of jet lag without the enjoyment of going on holiday. So yeah, it's Smart. been exhausting, partly because of what you just alluded to.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> now, you're going you to ask me how I am? <sighs> Fine. How are you, Dean? Well, Liam, I'm knackered. Oh, I didn't yeah. see that coming. No, and uh, do you know what? If if we had been recording this podcast on any other day this week, yeah, then I could have answered that question yeah. by telling you that I'm knackered. It's just been a mental week, absolutely crazy week, just busy, busy, busy.
1: It has indeed been. Uh, Today, technically, today was my day off of work, and yet, certain and I knew this was coming. It was no surprise or ambush, but I knew that on my day off, I'd I'd be constantly having to check my phone and oversee because I'm. Uh, running the the content team at the minute of the zone, I'm having to just oversee. Right, did that guy? Is everything okay? Can we can we follow up with this? Can we follow up with that? All oh, uh, directing a bit of traffic, but all all worth it because yeah, it was it was a big day for the zone streaming because now yeah. we have Matchroom boxing airing worldwide.
0: So this is I mean this is huge because um, I know I know we're a wrestling podcast. We'll we'll just mention this very briefly before we move on, but basically. Sky Sports have had matchroom boxing coverage well. I mean, I think since the 90s, I remember like Chris Eubank being on Sky Sports. and That that was was
1: the start of it. The Eubank was the start of it in the early to mid-90s. Sky has shown matchroom boxing exclusively since 2012 in what was a a very controversial uh, eyebrow-raising situation where the likes of... yeah we so, could no, I was just gonna say we had, we had there was quite a few like like Hennessy still Mick Hennessy still has a promotion. there was a very promising stable at Hatton promotions, obviously under the under the name power of of Ricky Hatton. They had a good little stable of talent over there. and a lot for a lot of these companies, it was very dependent on having uh, the ability to put shows on Sky. and when the twenty twelve deal was struck, it was right matrim and nothing else. And, yeah, Hatton and a couple of the other ones couldn't carry on. And Hennessy's managed to carry on on Channel 5. British viewers who have seen uh, there's been occasional boxing on Channel 5, including a Sam Eginton fight very recently. And that feels like I'm bringing it back on topic because, obviously, being able to watch some of the fights on Channel 5 is a Dose W thing because they had that deal on Channel 5 between 99 yeah. to, right up to the bitter end.
0: And w, w, sorry, WWE, of course, have got highlights on on Channel Five, and it, it's something that's notable as well because, of course, Sky Sports lost last year; they, they lost uh, the rights to WWE in the UK, which they'd had since I think 1989. So we're, we're seeing a, we're definitely seeing a, a shift in uh, sports broadcasting in the UK, and I think the the fact that this is a a streaming service as opposed to a TV service kind of shows the, the change in, in viewership habits.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm, uh, I've, I've had quite the upbringing in, in digital media and sports media overall. I've, i've done a little bit of everything i've done football match day programs i've done newspaper reports i've done uh commentary you name it i've probably dabbled in it a little bit but obviously the biggest specialty at the moment leans into the the digital realm because that is the future you need you need to be uh fluent in social media to, to get along you need to be able to handle the quirks of of platforms and things like that so yeah, it's it's been quite the ride so far. I've, I've been at this own for coming up to a year, and it's been fun just watching the because obviously the, the the actual service continues to grow, but the the actual uh, the content on the website has been experiencing even more of a growth from since I started from. You know, it yeah. was it was uh it, it was basically just a few little things a day, and now it's building up and building up, and hopefully it will go from strength to strength from there.
0: But we also must bear in mind that it is the reason for you being knackered. I mean,
1: yeah, curses it.
0: curses to uh to your your paid work getting in in the way of our hobby.
1: Yeah, I, I really hate this selfish reality of life with like families and and life and. And jobs and money. Can't I just sit around talking about a defunct uh, wrestling organization? I'm starting to resonate with the hippies, Dean. We should be able to just live free, love, and watch crappy WCW.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I had a very lazy Sunday. No, month, Bank Holiday Monday. It was that lazy, been, you
1: couldn't even remember the day.
0: I, I couldn't else. remember the day, yeah. I had I had spent all day Sunday gardening, and therefore every part of my body ached on Monday. And I just sat on the sofa, and I watched Wrestling Challenge from 1987 that they'd just put up on uh, the network, including the uh, Piper's Pit, where uh, Andre the Giant challenges Olk Organ for the main event at the WrestleMania. Look it at to me when I
1: am talking to your...
0: That's the one, yeah. And uh, God knows how uh, anyone employed Hulk Hogan to act in a movie after seeing that, because he was atrocious, but there we are. Anyway, we've got... A, talking of Hulk Hogan, actually, we uh, I've just realised, of course, this Nitro that we're about to watch from our original air date of, I believe it's July the 8th, yes, July the 8th, 1996... Not only is this the first nitro that they tape at Disney MGM studios, and they're they're there for a long old period of time, aren't they? Um, this is the first the first uh, nitro of the Heel Hulk Hogan NWO era.
1: Yeah, everything's gonna be different from that episode we recorded very recently looking at the last nitro. It's gonna be very Ooh. interesting to dive into this one. Obviously if you think about the the, the nitro watch along Era so far, there's there, there's been some a few groans here and there, but there's also been some very happy memories. You know, we've had Ric Flair's banquet table, we've had some some really interesting matchups. We had a nice. It's been such a happy little wrestling show. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you think of how bad some wrestling companies can get, including WCW, uh, multiple times in their in their tenure, you really do appreciate the times when they're kind of just putting out a, an on-par, watchable product. You think, great, but we are now entering a completely different era, which just so happens to be the greatest run. So yeah. I'm going to miss those little comforts, but strapping your seatbelts this should be really good
0: yeah now i i haven't watched these shows for what 25 years but i i remember i remember when this was airing because i remember 1996 i was in my second year at university and i would get the uh i would get raw and nitro Recorded by one of my uh, my mum's um work colleagues, and uh either posted to me or i 'd collect them if I was visiting and um I'd watch it in the, the student house I was in and, and you know other people wrestling's one of those things you put wrestling on the t v people tend to you know cast their eyes towards the screen and I remember people being absolutely apoplectic with shock that Hulk Hogan had turned bad. But I also remember at least the first couple of nitros. This goes back to what you've always said about, yeah, the the Poochie analogy in The Simpsons. I seem to remember that basically. They done. They did such a good job of making this feel like, a. well, it was such a massive deal anyway, but the, the fact they had, I seem to remember, all the promos in the first couple of weeks were talking, they, they'd always make mention of what Hulk Hogan had done, and it was like the, the entire WCW organization was united against the Outsiders and the NWO. And I also remember Hacksaw Jim Duggan doing a promo, which very much sounded like, Hulk Hogan, you smoked my children, which obviously wasn't what he said, but that's what it sounds like. And I'm really, really hoping it's in this episode. We
1: could be about to find out. And, and, and yeah, you're right to an extent. This this is absolutely the time to have everyone giving their reaction to what Hulk Hogan did. But then you look at the bigger picture and you realise that, that he pretty much made the company do that every week. And it was tiresome. Uh, and this is just this is just a one time where it worked because we had struck creative gold with the new world. Yeah, the storyline. Um, but yeah,
0: listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. OK, well, um, as I said, folks, we are if you're wanting to uh, watch along with us, then this is the episode that originally aired. July the eighth, nineteen ninety six. Liam, I am on zero 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 zero.
1: Did you get all the zeros?
0: I did all six of them.
1: All present and correct. Here, yeah.
0: indeed. And uh, we are moments away from some burning buildings before we go to the Disney MGM Studios. So, it, we will press play in three, two, one, go. Right.
1: Can confirm. Buildings are burning.
0: And babyface, yellow t-shirted Hulk Hogan <laughs> is still at the beginning of the credits, which of course he will be because it only happened a day ago.
1: Yeah, I suspect that won't last too long. Although, knowing those production values, maybe they'll get round to it in <laughs> eh, November. Oh, wow. It's, I tell you what, straight away it catches your eye, this setting, doesn't it? We've got daylight. I mean,
0: it's, yeah, it's day, which probably means we're going to get the old daylight turning into dusk, which always looks great on a wrestling show. But. Yeah, I
1: always think of WrestleMania 3, which we kind of half referred to earlier, didn't we? Yeah. Watching WrestleMania 3 and it starts in the daylight and then you've got the darkness for, uh, for Hulk Hondra. I love that. Yeah.
0: I mean, this this kind of looks—it's I mean, it, weird. And on the one hand, it looks a bit low, low rent, and small. But then, these, this this became iconic, I think, because of what happened, which is what um, what Tony Shivani is currently talking about.
1: Yeah, this is the first time we're hearing from Shivani since in the timeline. Go to hell. Go to hell. Yeah. yeah. And he's struggling to bring himself to say it. He's sounding at least stammering, like uh, Michael McGillicutty doing his G- NXT Genesis promo. But in this instance, it's actually completely on brand and understandable.
0: And and what's great here is Shivani is basically looking, staring at the camera with his his arms folded. He's got a pout on his face. He looks like I'm sure if you've had to tell your daughter off, she's probably pulled a face like that. You know, that 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 pouting, angry child look. And it and it works. It works here. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah, so you know, we, we have hated heels on every show. But I suppose right now we're dealing with this premise that like guys like the horsemen and other top heels, you know, they, they rally up together, they they break the rules to make more money to win the championships within those But the Outsiders and Hulk Hogan have now declared war on the entire company. So now there's a reason why even Sabisco, the heel commentator, is extremely... You know, look at that furrowed brow.
0: Exactly. It's not babyfaces and heels anymore. It's WCW against the Outsiders.
1: It's such a shame they lost track of that going on. Because as you've seen some of the interviews with with Bischoff... uh, he he seemed to get really obsessed with the idea that he could launch the NWO as its own thing. Um, yeah. And that was that was never really the the idea of them. This isn't so, movies where you can get away with maybe one quick movie with you know with Hobbs and Shaw or or Deadpool or someone as as, as the protagonist. You're gonna run yeah. a wrestling promotion they there's no point to yeah, it.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing that you, the thing that people seem to sometimes forget with these invaders or whatever it is you want to brand them as, you know the, you know the the, the stereotypical typical promo of I'm going to take this promotion apart brick by brick, mm. that kind of thing, which we've seen in in British wrestling, we've seen elsewhere. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, if you want to destroy WCW. Why would you do that? Because then you've lost your job because you work for them. So it's it's got to have a purpose. Yeah, you know, it could be if it's a if it's a rival promotion, they want to get rid of their competition. So I suppose with when when it was when it was um, kind of purported that these guys were from the WWF trying to shut down WCW, it made sense. But then obviously for legal reasons, they had to say they're not.
1: Yeah, but then, as we've discussed many times, this is a great time to bring it back up anyway, so sod it. Um, their, their whole MO with the you know the storyline is they've got the, the the big money backer who'd be soon revealed as Ted DiBiase. They seduced Eric Bischoff shortly after the powerbomb incident into being on. So they've got the matchmaking, the, the executive power. they grow growing numbers, and they, they ascended to the throne. They became the boss and as as we've discussed in various different episodes that makes sense if you do if you're bad people you're in a hostile takeover you complete your takeover and then while you are in that position of power you you're looking to just attack everything that those CW fans and, and 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 the whole essence of professional wrestling would hold dear which they almost had with the sold so they, out yeah. 97 but the problem was is that was a pay for you that's an event you expect people to pay for you've kind of got to just have them you know like ruining half the tv show they're doing the half and half of the two hour nitros they could have maybe done the thing where they where, where you know where they absolutely sully an hour and they just mock professional wrestling they mock wcw and the southern thing and all that and and it it prompts the rally where they're they're this big, huge conglomerate now of like a 100 wrestlers or whatever it is, including some no-name jobbers. That's what makes it cool when the Stings, the DDPs, the Horsemen reverse the roles and do what the NWO did here this summer.
0: Now, while uh, we've been talking about all that, there is a tremendous match going on here and between it's a rematch from Great American Bash of Rey Mysterio challenging Dean Malenko again for the Cruiserweight title, which he uh, unsuccessfully challenged for at that pay-per-view, but he thinks, as I mentioned here, they, he beat psychosis at the last, at uh, Basham beach last night to get this opportunity. And this is kind of a great match to put on to warm what could be a, a cold, not that much of a wrestling fan audience. I mean, I don't know how, how many wrestling fans are on? How many just you know holiday makers there are? I mean the the uh, the front row um, is is filled with with uh, elderly Floridians by the look of mm. it who aren't particularly knowing what's going on between these two.
1: Yeah, I mean a, a a lot of people may make the obvious thing of oh yeah you know start a show off well with a good match, put the good wrestlers out and have a good match. And that's not incorrect per se, but for me, I, f- I think the the deeper mechanic of it for an opener, and we talk about Art of the Open on the pay-per-view episodes all the time, Dino, and um, I think for me, what you want, and this is what, both Malenko and Mysterio can bring is you want to minimize the breaks. You want a higher tempo. You want two people who can go 10 minutes breakneck speed without needing much of a rest. You want two people who are fluid enough in the chemistry where they don't have to take big pauses to figure out what move is next. You just, because that completely hooks them in. Even if, even if this is a match that would get, a three-star Meltzer rating or a five-star Meltzer rating or anything in between, if you can tick those boxes of the energetic, uh, relentless action, I think that's the best way to go for a casual audience.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there was a, there was a really good moment um, where Mysterio was going for a sunset flip. There was a bit of a miscommunication. He, well, Malenko thought it was a sunset flip. Mysterio thought it was a backdrop. They kind of ended up halfway between the two, with Masia lying on his back. Milenko just immediately goes over to make the cover, to just fluidly carry on with the match. It, yeah. It's it's kind of it's covering up a ricket. and it's like you know you and I will see that and know what's going on, but a lot of the crowd, it just looks like a, a normal part of a match. Well, that's no what problem. they always that's, say. That's isn't the it? way they do it.
1: Never never repeat the spot, because that makes it obvious to everyone carry on be naturalistic about it because at the end of yeah. the day these two are in conflict a conflict can get ugly and scrappy play into that lean into that what i what i was more curious about there was that we just had a spot where dean Malenko strapped on a camel clutch for a little while and while I was listening to you, I was also sitting there thinking to myself, right, let's see if they have managed to hook this crowd in with the first five minutes of action. Because if they have succeeded in doing so with that breakneck speed, when he did take that first rest hold with the camel clutch, you want to see, do are the fans invested in Ray getting out of it? Have they managed to draw them into the dichotomy of the match to the point where, where yeah. he does that first wear down hold? Has he got them? And... T- it was kind of a yes and no. It was definitely a bit of a reaction. It, w- it wasn't much, was it? You could hear, you could hear some cheers for Mysterio's attempt to fight out, but you'd, you'd ideally want to try and hook him in a little bit more if you could. But it wasn't a dismal uh, return, I didn't think.
0: No. So I mean, I, I'm still trying to find out why, um, why they were recording. I mean, because they did a fair few tapings at, at Disney Studios, didn't they? But um all i all i've found out so far is basically that they were doing all their tapings in orlando for the month of july so they did um their saturday night tapings in orlando they obviously did nitro um but i don't know why i'm trying to find out if there's a reason i I don't know if anyone else can fill in the gaps here for us
1: yeah, it will take a little bit of research. This is one of those things where very, very often you and I Dean will, uh, will try to minimise the amount of research we do, so we can, so we can come into this with fresh eyes and, and enjoy it as a fan. Obviously, we undo all that by talking about the, uh, the. The, the psychology of time and the rest holder, things like that. <laughs> but it does it does seem to help our freshness with it without without looking up the results and match times and other such trivia in advance. It that it really does help. So but after the fact you're right, maybe we should do a little bit of digging and just confirm on that. Because we we'll obviously be doing a few watch alongs through this period.
0: Yeah. I mean I know the um the um, Olympics were on in Atlanta in 90, summer of 96. Yes. I mean, that, that ruled out Atlanta as a venue, but I don't know why. Um, and Unless it's something to do with um, CNN center that they're based in, I, I, I don't know. That's the only sort of thing I can think of.
1: Do you know what I think it was, Dean? They knew that in the month of July 1996 that it was coming home and they knew they couldn't compete with it. So they just did a batch just thought, right, allow it to come home. You know, it, it's coming home. Yeah. And uh, once it has come home, then they can go back to business as usual. And then, uh, and then, just the complete freak uh, turn of events. We were robbed, and it did not come home.
0: Oh, Mysterio just went for a uh, Quebrada moonsault there, and went splat. Missed. Yeah, <laughs> Malen- and, and it was one of those where Milenko kind of walked towards him grazing blow and then fell down and uh, not good when that happens but hey that's, that is as we say that is why they call them high risk manoeuvres because you can go splat
1: <laughs> I mean it's, and, it's uh, interesting looking at this crowd, they, they, there's a lot of these guys who are into it do you know what? I, I feel like the biggest problem with the with the noise measurement because the, the decibels are far higher now. I think it might just be the lack of acoustics.
0: Mm. I mean, the crowd are definitely reacting to things, and as this they started off quite cold, and as this match has gone on, they have they have warmed up a hell of a lot.
1: Yeah, it's just I, I think I could I could hear some getting into when. Milenko ended that that high tempo start to the match when in the camel clutch. I could hear some good reactions, but I, it, it didn't hear that big. Oh, here we go. Super gut buster. Oh, One of the, the best moves of the nineties. But yeah, I think it might have just been the acoustics of, of yeah. without without that in an arena, it does kind of oh.
0: And that's one of the one of the disadvantages of, of the outdoor WrestleManias with, with the acoustics, but obviously the, the pros are how, how good it looks. Do you know the other thing I was going to say is this is, and, and I'll explain this in a minute for our American and other overseas listeners, but this environment, to me, is the nearest thing you'll get in America to holiday camp wrestling. Yeah. Where you I can see that. You've got a crowd of so basically holiday camps in Britain on coastal resorts where you basically you, you get um oh hang on Mysterio's nearly Mysterio's just won the title with a with a hurricane rana. Crowd are loving it. We've got a new champion. We've, there you go, we've we've kicked off the Nitro Disney tapings with a title change. Fantastic.
1: And that is but the yeah, landmark first cruiser title win of Ray. He would hold that belt many times, including yeah. a few times with the WWE logo on it.
0: Indeed, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the holiday camp is is where you have it's all inclusive. It's, um, it, yeah, you got all the ent- all the entertainment, all your food there. You pay to you pay to stay in this camp for you know a week or whatever, and they have. they have entertainment brought in. And one of the traditional things you get in holiday camps of entertainment is wrestling. And um, I've told the story before about Brian Danielson coming over to the UK doing the holiday camps and learning all about characterization and getting a reaction out of a crowd who aren't wrestling fans. You've got a completely cold crowd who don't know wrestling. And that that is similar here, perhaps, to what we've got in the Disney tapings, where you've just got Disney holidaymakers coming to watch your wrestling show.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm a little distracted now because we've gone to Mean Gene, the locker room who has the Steiners and the Nasty Boys together as a foursome for an interview, which given that you also love uh, Halloween Havoc 90. Oh, they, they're arguing now. It didn't last long. Yeah, shut up say. fat. Boy. Yeah, they should not. Ha- was that, was that a Scott Steiner fat shame? Before it became a meme. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no abyss or Bully Ray for, for around for him to call. He's fat. But or or Samoa Joe was the original in TNA, wasn't he? i mm. Ah, uh, and uh, I tell you what, credit to Sags. Sags is referencing their 1990 feud. That's better. Yeah. I was. Uh, so don't put these two teams side by side. They've been to war. They hate each other.
0: So are they teaming up or are they against each other later? What's going on?
1: It's not overly clear, but it is circling around right. Harlem Heat I'm, having what both teams want, which is the tag titles.
0: Not right. I'm. I'm just looking. These two have got a number one contenders match coming up later on. Yeah.
1: So it's the old um, Bret Hart and Roddy Piper or Rock and Chris Jericho, where they interview the opponents. Yeah. They're technically baby faces, so I suppose. They're in the same locker room. But they're about to fight and they don't like each other, so there's that tension. It's a fit. I, I do like that device when used right. To be fair, I feel sorry for Mean Gene. I don't. The man, the the, the man is just everywhere, doing all the interviews, getting it all done. He's he did not look phased in the least bit. Maybe because he knows that coming up is Ric Flair and woman, oh woman, won't you marry me now? Maybe that's well, why they, Mean they... Gene was smiling.
0: They did say uh, in the uh, previous match that um, I believe it was Flair defending. Yes, Flair. So Flair won the United States heavyweight title at the Pay-Per-View Big Conan if you remember. He is he has his first title defense tonight. And you know who he's facing?
1: Who's he facing?
0: Jim Powers. Oh. Now, all due respect to Jim Powers, but why the fuck is he getting a US title shot? Why not?
1: Answer me that, eh?
0: Who's he beaten?
1: Don't bring up relevant points. Just concede. Make life easy for me and concede.
0: Just, you're tired, you've had a hard week. You don't want to have logistical arguments when you're trying to watch your favorite defunct oh, wrestling Oh, no, commercial.
1: no, no. Actually, on the contrary, I have a new lease of life because I just, when they advertise replay Bash at the Beach, they use that uh, Seal Crazy ripoff, which those who listen to the Bash at the Beach episode will know that I am I am weirdly fascinated with it. It's one of those generic tracks that I just, bec- because of the use of it, it just sits in my my mind Forever in such a happy context.
0: We've just had a close-up of Mickey Mouse. Does that mean that you could call WCW a Mickey Mouse promotion if you wanted to slag yeah. them off?
1: Or has Not Mickey Mouse WWF turned were heel? We're doing that at the time. Yeah. Tune in next week to find out.
0: Mickey Mouse can never
1: turn heel. Yeah, he can. I mean, let's face it. He's been the heel all along. He torments poor Donald. Donald's the hero. Donald, Donald Duck is you and me. He's a normal person who gets angry, makes mistakes, uh, doesn't loo- wear loo- trousers. W- you know, ha- has an overload of hubris, uh, doesn't wear trousers, exactly. Whereas Mickey Mouse is just that smart ass who pokes fun, tries to be patronisingly supportive, uh, and, and all along he's just an arsehole. You can quote me on that, by the way. <laughs> Mickey Mouse
0: is an arsehole. Here come the Blue Bloods. So it's uh, Lord Stephen Regal, Squire Dave Taylor, both from the north of England. Couldn't be further removed from aristocracy if they tried. Along with Earl... um, Yeah, Earl Robert Eaton, isn't it? From Huntsville, Alabama. Yes.
1: But they are arseholes in a glorious way. They are yes. entertaining arseholes.
0: Well, I was going to say from Huntsville, Alabama, but actually, don't, we mustn't forget that uh, Bobby Eaton was always built from the dark side as a singles wrestler. Well, why not? Because you can,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's going to be my reply so, to a lot of things. When, when I'm this fatigued, it's going to be, well, why not? You'll be like, oh, you fucking so, uh, got here me we there. Go.
0: We've got some. Um, Look, Liam, we've got we've got the uh, photographic recap of the Carson City Silver Dollar match with Do you know what? Jimmy Hart climbing up a seemingly twenty-foot-high pole I at the age saw, of
1: fifty-six. I saw some Twitter accounts recently, and I believe yes. I'm, I'm sorry if I've got this wrong. Um, I believe um, was it um, a- a- Andrew
0: Dice Clay? something like that. Possibly. I, can't, um, I remember I did see it on Twitter, yes. Apologies if I've got mean.
1: the Twitter handle a little bit wrong, and apologies for being a little bit negative, because Tremendous wrestling account, all, we, all intents and purposes. A lot of WWE coverage followed us back, which is always brownie points.
0: Oh, uh, E-Andrew e, e yeah, e Dice Clay. So, Ian and Andrew combined. E-Andrew e Andrew Dice, Dice Clay.
1: Clay. Now, I, honestly, he runs a great account. He's a great wrestling fan. But I believe it was him, and sorry again if it was someone else, who was slating that match as a Because of WWE moment because they did this huge higher poll that was, so, that was so tall that only Jimmy Hart could climb it. But as I said, it was clearly part of the match finish that Jimmy Hart went up, got it, celebrated, he turned around, and there was John Tenter. Everything about that match made sense. It wasn't a five-star classic, but as you as you love remember that from... Yeah, it was... The, the storytelling, the, 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 the booking of it, you know, they paid off a lot of things. But as we've seen from these watch-alongs, the big problem with that was that it weren't like they had this... This, this well done uh, act one and two of a feud before doing a, 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 a good sense act three it was actually John Tenter beating his ass non-stop pitting him every week and then he went and shaved his hair again a second time right before the pay-per-view just to try and microwave it for a bit of extra heat cool. so it's a shame but I, I, I thought the actual Bash the Beach match was entertaining
0: so We've now got – we've had um, we've had Hugh Morris and uh, Dave Taylor in the ring. We've now got Big Bubba and uh, Stephen Regal in the ring. And because we've got a British tag team, it's easy heat, and the crowd are into this. They're booing the Brits. They're chanting USA. And if there's – as we've said, if there's any two wrestlers who will know how to get a reaction out of a cold crowd – It will be these two Brits, because believe you me, they've done plenty of holiday camps. In fact, the first time I ever saw uh, Steve Regal, as he was then called, wrestling, was at a Butlin's holiday camp. Yeah. uh, uh, Ironically, he was uh, wearing a T-shirt with Florida written on it, a pair of sunglasses, and was pretending to be from America. (laughs) <laughs> I'm almost certain
1: heat he's getting here. <laughs> I am almost certain that um just before they've come out to the ring to do this match. Here's John Cena to beat on Ray Tra- That feud's pretty much paid off at Bachelor Beach. So here's what I don't yeah. like about this feud. They they just got they're just gonna do battle in mediocre one sided fashion all week. And there's the pin for Dave Taylor. Um, but yeah, it was weird seeing um the Dungeon of Doom playing the baby faces there. But I'm adamant that these guys all before they came out of the curtain we were like, Yeah, li- leave it to us. We'll get you in the, the de facto babyface role. We've the, we've done these crowds many times. Just follow <laughs> us. <laughs> um Yeah. But and yeah, they did. considering we had the Dungeon of Doom kind of baby faces against the uh the horseman, considering we it's it's a weird period because they are you know we we know we're heading to the giant defend the title against Hogan at the next pay per view so they are really kind of sort of baby faces I mean they? they're, they're just like the least likable baby faces
0: <laughs> since yeah. since
1: any post WCW baby face in
0: WWE. Poor Hugh Morris landed on his head there.
1: You say poor Hugh Morris, but then you hear the stories about Bill DeMott's training. Oh, yeah. And it's, hard, it's increasingly hard to feel sorry for him.
0: Very true, yes. He was
1: very popular as a, as like an underappreciated roster hand, wasn't he? And then everyone, I remember everyone was really happy when he got that run as the United States champion very late in WWE's run. People were disappointed he didn't do more in WWE because he was a, a an agile capable big man they thought yeah he'll be fine and then you find out what an absolute uh taskmaster he was and some of the horrible things he did
0: yeah no i mean there are people there there are people that i know personally who were uh, in that training regime and um yeah they he, they did not uh they did not have a good time and it was all thanks to Bill a
1: there seems to be that belief in some that you've got to be like that to be a good leader. Newsflash, you don't. In fact, it's it's lazy to do it that way.
0: Cause I think it, that was the um, that was the uh, Dwayne Bruce method, wasn't it? I think mm-hmm. that's what he'd he'd pick that up from the power plant, I'd imagine. It
1: is it is it is to compensate for a lack of skills elsewhere. Because as you say about any department, you know, yourself managing, myself managing. Uh, and any other context on TV, a good manager uh, can can get the most out of anyone rather than just writing people off or treating them like shit.
0: So uh, we had a tower there with giant Mickey Mouse ears, which apparently is called the Earful Tower. See, I told you it was a hill. So uh, we've now got a match, which should be pretty good, Eddie Guerrero and the Nitro debut of Psychosis.
1: So now we have got thoughts from Ray, who just won the Cruiser title.
0: What's Ray saying?
1: Oh, this is about Hogan. Oh, this
0: is about Hogan. Here we go. (laughs) We've got the first first Poochie promo.
1: And remember, if Poochie isn't in the room, everyone should be asking, where's Poochie?
0: Oh, he's now. Su- well, this is amazing. He's speaking in Spanish, but it just says on the subtitle, "Speaking in foreign language."
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, l- I love. Us. I love your closed captioning, especially with a uh, mango.
0: Mango was.
1: <laughs> so Zabisco's drifted into hill mode still. He's, he's, he's managed to just, like, make these offhand comments about random face on the roster while still yeah. being dead against the New World Order. Well, at this point, Dean, I suppose they're still known as the New World Organisation.
0: Organisation, yeah. No, Hogan does call them both in that initial promo. He
1: does, and I know he fluffed the whole thing because New World Order was the plan, as confirmed by uh, mm. Nitro Book and anyone else you ask. I can't get too mad about the idea of the the, the phrase new world organisation. The reason being, Dean, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I find organisation to be, at least as a noun, I find it to be a, uh, a, a, a really sinister word. I, I think it's gloriously evil when you refer to your organisation. It doesn't sound good in, in any context, does it?
0: I think also if they were called an organization maybe maybe they'd be able to run their own promotion because it's uh, it sounded yeah. well more organised.
1: Well that's exactly what they tried to do. <laughs> but um yeah, if you say someone why don't you join my organisation, it does not sound like a good above board thing. It's it sounds ominous, no. it sounds evil. Join my organisation. Yeah.
0: If you said someone join my order, they'd think what the fuck are you talking about? Well, no, they'd, they'd think, think are you, they'd think you're are in you an getting AW? some chips or something or
1: they think you're both the Dark Order. Yeah, join us Dark yes. Order. Join um, Dark Order. Yeah, yeah so here's a, a, anyone who's, I know we've got quite a few listeners who are active wrestlers and writers and first off, thanks for putting up with us for this long, 95 episodes. Secondly, please someone heed my advice, use the word organisation for a heel faction. It is a gloriously evil word. I refuse to believe otherwise.
0: No, it's a very good point.
1: Syndicate obviously is another good one, but now I'm just a Streets of Rage
0: fan. Corporation,
1: yeah. Corporation's awesome. been well used, I think. It's, I think, we've done wrestling's done yeah. corporation justice. Million dollar corporation, the corporation,
0: yeah. We had the union, didn't we?
1: The union, and in typical fashion with unions in wrestling, it didn't last long,
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, we had a uh, a flip plancher from the top rope to the floor from Psychosis. He was kind of just a little bit off off where he needed to be, but Guerrero kind of stepped into it perfectly.
1: Yeah, can someone tonight please do a dive to the outside and actually land on the guy they're aiming for? Is that yeah. too much to ask?
0: I am I'm loving uh, I'm loving Psychosis's crazy hair. Eddie is selling the shoulder big. Zabisco is queried whether it's dislocated or not.
1: Yeah, I mean Zabisco, uh, he has been in this early nitro era. He's been bringing the commentary outside of his, his very erratic tone, i.e. where he stands on the heel face spectrum. Obviously, he'd get increasingly self indulgent. I uh, always found, but on his day, he was a very insightful. He appreciated that he had to. Along with a bit of a hillstick stick and a bit of a, a, a bit of a smirk and a snarm, he he realised he had to bring a bit of insight. He was more Jesse Ventura than Bobby Heenan, wasn't he? Who was obviously like mm. he was he was the comedy ham Heenan, whereas yes. Jesse tried to find that balance of. And how many commentators have found that quite difficult? Or you know, Ventura, we always called him out a couple of times where he, where he, where he tried to take too much out of it. JBL was another good example, good commentator, but tried to tried to take himself too seriously on commentary, and as a result, ended up putting himself over sometimes more than the, yep. the, the than the talent. It's, this it's is not, not an your easy
0: job de- as a commentator. Your job is to put the, the product and the talent across.
1: It's not easy to do. I, I can appreciate it's not easy to do. And that is why that Heenan was so successful making a tit out of himself. Where even if he Ooh. did insult people, he was clearly the bellend. I always think of, you think of Al, you, you're a fan of Al Murray, Dean? Yes, Poblano, I'm a huge fan of him. Now most of the, most of his spill is all very. If you think now in modern parlance, because I was there, I was really into his gigs and his DVDs in like the 2000s, um, and you think of Brexit now and, and all of it's very yes. very close to the bone. But the reason why it was funny hearing him say these things is because he always set himself up where he was the bell end. Yes. You know, when he's talking about things should be beautiful Definitely. and British, he's he's being daft. He's he's the butt of the joke. He's the dope. Ooh. And that's what Heenan had. Nice, Hurricane
0: I was just about to say this. They they just tried the same the same sequence that just ended the last match, but Shivani actually referenced it, which so it kind of made it kind of made it work. and uh, Eddie's been selling that shoulder big for the whole match and, and he's still selling it now, which is either fantastic selling or he has legitimately done something to his shoulder, but well, I think seen. it's the former
1: yeah, we've seen how good his selling's been and he went into that with gusto. that was definitely a selling move, wasn't it? yes if if uh if a wrestler uh you, you'll be far more insightful with this than I am but I'm very confident in saying that if a wrestler really has hurt his shoulder he's not he going to lead that. into that spots with such gusto they're going
0: absolutely to be tentative right. and
1: ginger aren't they
0: absolutely right yeah you would you know it's it's one of those things that if uh you know if you've if you've injured a body part you 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 avoid that body part essentially yeah. yeah
1: you'll be very reluctant to to put that into the post whereas he just went full speed he knew what he was doing he's carrying on his job of selling he's fine i think
0: yeah if someone's if someone's injured their ankle you target the knee to give a, a, a you know a supposedly legit reason for a, 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 an injury Puts him out of the picture for a bit. Mm. Eddie's just gone for a superplex and now he's going up top again for a frog splash. Nice reception. They,
1: they really
0: pulled this crowd in. Yeah, and there's a really good camera angle as well because he kind of, the camera was down on ground level right beside Psychosis. So it's almost like he was frog splashing towards the camera. It's really good.
1: We we are getting into a really sweet spot of the product, aren't we? I'm I'm enjoying this setup. The crowd are there, you know. It's not it's not easy work, but they're enjoying the hard work. They kept they kept the one ugly match short and sharp so far. Ooh. Good character work from the Blue Bloods, as you pointed out. We had two and... great matches between four capable wrestlers as well, and everything has yeah. hit a note with this crowd.
0: And what I'm interested in seeing with this crowd is how will they react once we get what I would call the big names coming out, the people who are going to be potentially recognizable mm. to casual fans or non fans, which the yeah, flares, we're talking about.
1: Stings, yeah. yeah,
0: Flair, Hogan, Macho Man. Um, and also, you know, if I don't know if Hogan comes out at this point or not, but whenever he does come out, you know, people, people, the, well, the casual fans still want to cheer him.
1: Well, we've got the world champion, and we've got Jimmy Hart here, but obviously this is going to be geared around Hogan.
0: So yeah, they're now interviewing Jimmy Hart about Hulk Hogan's heel turn.
1: Let's let's be clear here that if Jimmy Hart. Uh, denounces what Hogan did Jimmy Hart betrayed Hogan first so uh, let's see how this goes
0: this is the first time he's he's, ever been lost for words as he interviewed yeah that's all he said and he he used his his normal voice as opposed to his Jimmy Hart voice which is fair enough
1: if you're going to play it like I didn't expect him to do that is ooh. a lot more believable than he did a horrible thing, because, you know, you're the fucking Dungeon of Doom. You do horrible things for a living. Yes. Uh, ooh, I do Something's like that. Something's angry,
0: yeah. that, that Hulkamania destroyed itself, because they weren't able to do it themselves.
1: Yeah, I, I like that line. I really do. They wanted to destroy Hulkamania, and it turns out that it was just this thing, you know, it was this. it was this... It was this banner he held up and then took away from everyone else. That's some dark comic book stuff, if you think about it.
0: Mm. And uh, Kevin Sullivan, the booker, is very uh, keen to stress the name The New World Order. (laughs) That's a great point. It's like, get get the name right, Hogan. Oh. This is the
1: most personality we've seen from Paul White. He, he sounds like Paul White here and not the Giant for the first time.
0: Yeah, just said quite prophetically, as so long as he's got the world title around his waist, nothing can go wrong. So, Which obviously
1: puts over yeah. the doom feeling of of when he does lose the belt.
0: Yeah. What could possibly go wrong in a yeah. month's time? Well, we could lose the belt and then immediately join
1: the new world order, but yeah, that's not going to happen, is it, Dean? That's never going to happen. <laughs> so in this setting, they've got to be really selective. Uh, they're doing screening, screen stuff, which is fair enough. They really don't want to do too much live arena time doing these promos because they've yeah. clearly got a they they've got a. a you might be right in that it's not a wrestling crowd per se, but it's clearly a crowd that is here for the for the action. They've come yes. here to be entertained. They want to sink their teeth into it. So if you do a bunch of promos, you're probably going to lose them fast. And we've seen a couple of episodes like that, haven't we? You keep sure. wheeling out well-known wrestlers, good wrestlers, combinations of the two. That's how I'd, that is how I would... And I've never booked a thing in my life, don't get me wrong. But just using that perspective... That's how i book for a casual audience. I'd, I'd give them a lot of action.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's not even just for a casual audience. Because I, re, I remember with the FWA, when, when uh, the Wrestling Channel launched, and we um, started putting shows together for the Wrestling Channel, and the dynamic of the shows changed because it became too much segments and skits and interviews to fill up TV time and not enough matches Because, yeah, they wanted they wanted a a three hour taping to cover four hours of TV or something. Mm. And it just meant that the, the live crowd lost interest because it wasn't what they were used to seeing, as opposed to just recording the matches and then recording other bits at other times.
1: Yeah, I, I can only imagine how hard it is to to do it because you can obviously wheel out a a, a big old list of wrestling matches, a TV taping, but then you lose the rhyme and reason, and you can yeah. give the the crowd lots of promos and stuff to give them that rhyme and reason, but you can lose their interest in the actual wrestling. Whereas yeah. obviously, I mean, successfully, I, I... you're 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 being able to deliver the rhyme and reason. In the wrestling, and you don't need much more than a quick 60-second soundbite or, or a quick angle or physicality.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember when um, when TNA would come over to Wembley Arena every every January, and it started off. The first few years were were house shows, and then they realised, you know, this is the biggest live attendance that they had all year. And very wisely, they chose to to make them TV tapings. And the, as a viewer, the show wasn't as good because there was in, in, exactly as you say, Liv. There was less action. There were more skits. There were more interviews. It dragged. It went longer. Obviously, on TV, it looked fine, but but as a as a live attendee, it wasn't as good. But obviously, the the TV attendance massively outnumbers the, the live attend, So you, you have to aim for the TV audience.
1: Yeah, but you know who always was quite good at getting the right balance between giving giving that storyline to, to, to make things move forward so it's not just a list of, of matches, but also not, not, uh, not putting in too much dead time for a crowd. And you and I attended one of their shows together when they came to UK. It's New Japan Pro Wrestling. Because they would put on a list of matches and as you know, half of them would just be great big massive tag matches that combine and marry together various feuds and issues. And just with one one select this guy beating that guy at the end, or one little stare down after the bell, or yeah. one thing where a guy just grabs their belt and says, This will be mine next, with that you've got the you've got something to sink your teeth into in the storyline sense. But then you're still running through the action, so I could e- I feel like I could easily take a non-wrestling fan to a Royal Quest that you and I went to or something like that, and yeah. they'd get what they need and they'd also get enough storyline for it to just because you don't want it to just be a bunch of moves at the end of the day, you want things to resonate.
0: Well, any any wrestling match should tell a story, even you know, even a cold a cold match. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, what we've been watching, things like Eddie Guerrero and the Barbarian, a cold match, but that had a self-contained story in it.
1: Hmm. Eddie's just been smashing it on these early Nitros, hasn't he? He had a little oh, period where he just disappeared for two months. Maybe injury, we'll have to look that up, but he's back now and he's doing exactly what he was doing in those 95-hour-long episodes. Yeah. See, now the Steiners... Yeah, I was just going to say, the Steiners get a crowd into it just by getting it more stiff. (laughs) And in the nasties, they've got a team who will happily take that and and give it back, to be fair. Yes,
0: absolutely, yeah. You'll you'll remember... we referenced. something... Sorry, you go.
1: I was just going to say, we referenced that Halloween Havoc 90 match day, these two had. We've done that, shown that. Anyone listening who hasn't checked that should... Go and check it out and see what we mean about two teams who just go and beat the shit out of each
0: other. Absolutely. Well, I, well the match out was. Well, mm. um, no, what I was um, I forgot what I was going to say. No. I feel bad now.
1: Hashtag Shipped five concussions. It. Sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure it was going to be no. saying extremely observant and fantastic and insightful.
0: It, it was definitely.
1: Was it related to these two teams beating the crap out of each other? Because that was the.
0: Oh yes, topic. i remember remembered now. It was oh. something. Oh bloody hell! He just <laughs> smashed him across the face with a chair. That looked brutal. No, I remember. Um, I remember going. Um, we had once a show I was doing. We had a, a seminar with Danny. Danny Boy Collins, great British wrestler from uh, the eighties and nineties. And one thing he mentioned to the trainees there, when I, I was watching while I was setting my commentary position, was um, he said, you know, sometimes you just want to be a little bit, a little bit snug, or, or make, or just make people question if that was real or not. Because he said, where you've got, you know, your, your dads or mums who, who may not, who may not be wrestling fans, but they've been like dragged along because their kids want to go to the wrestling or something if you can just do something that puts a little bit of doubt into the, into the casual fan or the non-fan's mind, it, it kind of does, does you good. And I guess that's from the, you know, the that, that old school mentality of protecting the wrestling. Business. And I, I I'll, I'll never criticize anyone for that. Cause I, I still think it's something that's important, but it's, it, it was a, it was an interesting little, um little bit of information to, that I hadn't
1: heard from. It's a very valid point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, as you know, I've always been more of a make the fans want to believe over make them believe. Uh, and there's there's grey areas in that, but I, th- I think above all else it does tie into what we said about the first match of this show. In uh, the stiffness, it just stops the fans from overthinking or or, or, or their minds wandering, doesn't it? Mm. So you just give them that to, to 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 draw them in more, just like the sheer pace, the breakneck pace of that first match between Mysterio and Malenko did the same. Obviously these two teams would do it by. Oh, that was a very ropey finish. The match actually was that
0: a botch or? I didn't even see the referee count to three, but it, yeah, we yeah. had Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker come out and. Uh, sags got i think accidentally hit with the cane and pinned but it was pretty much out of nowhere and the other problem was because fans were standing up you couldn't actually see jerry sags lying on the canvas that's cut to a different camera rank
1: that is a shame because these two teams were going at each other quite well i do enjoy a little bit of that sometimes um got some fireworks going off, and it does remind me of the point I went to make. We had the midway, the one-hour countdown during that match, didn't yes. we, Then You saw that. Uh, now, these fireworks going off at the end of the match are quite nice. They're nice fireworks. The thing is, is that the traditional, uh, when that little dynamite graphic in the bottom corner goes off, and it's the end of hour one, start of hour two, we get fireworks then normally, but in this instance, it was more akin to the show... At the end of um, AEW Revolution, the Exploding Ring. <laughs> I had to make that
0: reference. Sorry. Oh, mean Gene is now in the ring with the Nasty Boys.
1: They've just leave them alone, Gene. They've just lost a match in really weird, ugly fashion. Um. Obviously, Brian Knobs is going to want to put over Hulk Hogan at this stage. Of course. The says it's the about attitude, says, and theirs has always been nasty. I can see where he's going with this. Yes. Well, I thought I did. Uh,
0: he getting twatted in the head with a cane has ch- done something to Jerry Sag's brain. <laughs> Change is inevitable.
1: He's turned into a philosopher, that's what he's changed. He's got some fire in his promo. I'll give him that much. Ooh. Hmm. I thought, I thought we were going down the Hogan route, but no, he's talking about that match, I think. Yeah. This is this is just all really ugly. We still hear the fireworks going off. Nobs is telling Gene off for pulling the microphone away early. He did not pull it away early. Sags had finished.
0: Even though his last sentence made no sense. <laughs> I think they are talking about Hogan now. Ah, here we go.
1: Brian Nobbs is taking a different route.
0: Is this, is this the Nazi boys desperately trying to join the NWO? Maybe. Yeah, or maybe trying... That just basically sounded like so Mr. Nobbs, why do you want this position?
1: Yeah. Maybe they're trying to do a thing where obviously they have the WE links they're trying to keep that thing going subtly mm. without getting in trouble. I don't know. I do remember there was a, th- this. one not come for a few months, if I remember. But there is an angle where um, the Nazis come down to the ring, dressed in like knockoff pound shop NWO gear, wanting to join, and then they just get the crap beaten out of them after they get being strung along oh. for a little bit. Do you remember that?
0: I can't say I do. But I'll Five concussions. Yeah, exactly. Tell you what, oh, it, is this uh, Jim Powers running he, to the ring? He may
1: be cannon fodder for the new US champion, Dean, but he's got decent generic babyface music. You cannot deny that.
0: And some magnificent singlet design.
1: Just give me an 80s guitar riff and that'll do the babyface. And by the looks he's of got things, a, several needles as well.
0: He, he's got uh, ring gear that looks like it's made out of tinfoil.
1: It's the only thing that'd fit after he like hit inflate on his on his physique.
0: And the uh, fireworks are lighting up the sky again for the Nature Boy. Still going off. Yeah, it's what Rick. It's nothing less than Ric Flair would expect.
1: Liz in leather has become Liz in latex this week.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Woman and uh, Deborah in evening gowns.
1: This feels sub. I don't know if it's the fireworks or the open air setting. This feels subdued for a Ric Flair entrance.
0: I think it is the, uh, the the sort of the non-standard entrance way. I mean, you've got you've got the WCW sign way back in the distance, and then this kind of nondescript entrance aisle.
1: He usually always commands all aisles, near me, he throw in a bit of antics, but it's all quite subdued for. Her. Obviously, we'll have the US title belt being unveiled under the robe in a second.
0: Eric Bischoff is uh, talking very seriously about what happened last night. And Heenan he- just said, "I've been been giving yes. you my opinion for the last twenty years, and everyone thinks I'm a buffoon and a joker." So, so Heenan is basically feeling justified, which I know takes us back to the "Whose side is he on?" comment we discussed in that uh, pay per view review with Robert Nichol.
1: Thus, further enforcing how right I am in that debate on the podcast and the piece I wrote about it for Hooked on Wrestling. If in doubt, just just assume I'm right. Basically, I see.
0: So we're just getting clips of uh, Ric Flair beating Conan for the uh, US title.
1: This was such a random match, wasn't it? There was no hype yeah. for it. I think they put on the on the on the Nitro before this payview they referenced that it's Ric Flair Conan, and that was it. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's yes. Woman hitting Conan in the eye with her shoe that cost him the title. But, uh,
1: this is obviously the the result of this one's not in doubt. So I'm guessing we're just gonna put over the new champ here, establish that he has the belt.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no uh, there's no banquet table here at MGM. Yeah, I, I'm
1: tempted to just tune that to be honest. We'll call it here, yeah.
0: Well I'm I'm worried that this is the end of the banquet table era.
1: Then that might be I the don't... end of this podcast series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll I, start I, a I, new I... one
1: because banquet tables.
0: Yeah. But our uh, our hometown on Twitter will always be Ric Flair's banquet table. Apparently Elizabeth will do anything if the price is right. Careful what he says.
1: Well, we're we're guessing here much with uh, Randy Savage. This is going to be Ric Flair slotting his opponent into his favourite formula, giving him a lot, and then wrapping things up.
0: Mm. You would think so. The crowd are, are giving the woos to Ric Flair. I mean Oh oh look at this everything's right with the world. Woman is cheating. That's how we like it.
1: He looks a little bit like Scott Steiner at this stage, doesn't he, with a singlet and the and the balloons on his arms and the hair The balloons on his arms. I mean let, let, let's not a sugar curry here. Call it as it is.
0: What's amazing is watching woman Elizabeth and Deborah all lined up in front of the hard camera and woman is pounding on the mat and shouting Flair's name and reacting to everything and the other two are just standing there.
1: Yeah, the other two are there because woman is there and they figured that it makes sense to stand next to the person who's who's in the same entourage as them. <laughs> woman is doing the work of three valets and i'll be the first to say that De- deborah at times was pretty good as a valet she she got she, you know she she gave some confident promos at times she did show a little bit of personality walking past the camera she was pretty good but but here you're right she's more liz than woman at the moment it's early on isn't it
0: for her? yeah very early Some great chops from Jim Powers, sold brilliantly by Ric Flair, who uh, takes the backdrop out of the corner. Did you see the video this week of uh, Andrade suplexing Ric Flair into a swimming pool?
1: Absolutely, I did. That was funny.
0: That's how you know he's been accepted
1: into the family.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But the thing that I absolutely loved about that was, you know how Ric Flair lands... Well, on one side of his back because of the lump he's got on his back following the plane That's crash. the
1: first thing I looked for. I asked myself, it's, does he still yeah, bump on his side if it's water? Yeah.
0: And there you, there you see that lump. And yet, yeah, pure muscle memory. He landed on that side of his back. It was tremendous. I loved it. Pure muscle memory. Uh, and Flair is in trouble, and he's, so he's poked Jim Powers in the eye.
1: Yeah, in other news, water is
0: wet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and Flair is oh, going up to the top. Oh, to I wonder gussled. what's going to happen here.
1: <laughs> um, it does always bring me back to that infamous early Nitro match he had where he knocked someone's spark out of a foreign object. Drag their carcass to the side <laughs> so he could put their feet <laughs> on the ropes, and then rake their eyes after winning the match.
0: Epic go- I, as have to- we have said
1: I have to track that one down and and dig. I'll, I'll get one of the guys who does gifts or whatever to. We need we need that in our lives in gift form, don't we? I think he's probably we a do. little bit too obscure to be picked up by the usual. You know, because it's that obscure, yes. the, the the usual GIF artists like Larry Arto probably haven't picked it up. And because none of them haven't picked it up, Alan Cheapshot hasn't been able to plagiarise it yet.
0: Can I say that? I'm not commenting. <laughs> and Jim Powers misses a uh, charge into the corner and Flair chop blocks the knee. And I believe... The end is nigh.
1: Yeah, I feel this is a foot of just as familiar a part of the flair formula as the as the press slams and the eye rakes. He's gonna drop to the knee. Yeah, little extra damage first, gotta soften him up. And now we go to school.
0: Yep. Yeah, he's just yanking on that leg. And yep, yeah, here we go. Figure four. This is one of the few times I think and we have Flair win. <laughs> yes. I think it's one of the few times we'll see Ric Flair win with a figure four leg lock actually. And but yes, it's... I didn't notice that at first.
1: <laughs> he made a point of reaching out for woman who, as you can imagine, more than gladly obliged with her with putting everything she could into a pool of that just to make sure they got the, the inevitable submission. That has that has made my day. Here are the horsemen.
0: That reminds me of a time I was managing the late great Drew McDonald in a match against Dave Taylor, who we saw earlier on, actually, and and uh, Drew put Dave Taylor in a figure four leg lock, and without saying anything to our, to each other, Drew and I both put our hands out to one another at the exact same time to do that that gimmick, <laughs> just just instinct.
1: So we are rolling through this episode so far, thankfully, because yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this, but we're knackered. <laughs> but it's a good episode so far, especially with all things considered.
0: And Mean Gene is now with the horseman, and of course, Woman is right next to him, stroking his arm, and he has just told Woman to try and restrain herself.
1: <laughs> Narrator says she did not. Try to restrain herself. Here we <laughs> go, straight back on it. Do you, do you think the reason why she always wears those long gloves is because it does she doesn't want to leave any evidence that she
0: was on Mean Gene? Or indeed any evidence of cheating and raking people's eyes.
1: Mm. Oh, here's Arnon Hogan.
0: Mm. So the horsemen have never tried to be role models or claimed to be. Oh, and they're saying that Hulk Hogan always said he was a role model. Yeah, train, say your prayers, and take your vitamins, as he said. Well, surprise, an awesome on-and-some promo.
1: You're supposed to stand for something. That is, good. that is movie stuff, isn't it?
0: Oh, hang on. Ric Flair's just grabbed a bottle of champagne. Is there a banquet table?
1: God, I hope so. He's poured
0: a glass for woman, and
1: now we're going to hear from Mango.
0: Mango, indeed. Mm, the
1: apocalypse is coming, but it's not Hogan; mm. it's the Horseman. I like that reference for Horseman. Oh, Flair's tapping into his usual
0: putting over mango.
1: You know, uh, (laughs) outsiders, insiders, woman is upping the intensity of her feeling up being Jean.
0: I mean, nowadays, this would be harassment, wouldn't it?
1: But who's going to file that complaint? (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't
0: where's Benoit he's conspicuous by his absence oh he? no he's not right in the back is he no hmm.
1: Flair's still and Rich singing
0: Flair a just
1: like he did at the pay-per-view which is one of them things that was always like do you know you've had like s- some long time friend guests on like Mike White and you guys have talked about like in-house jokes and little little moments yes. about Russian those so you always make your crease up one of those for me and my friends was the promo that Ric Flair did at Bachelor Beach where he just starts singing La Cucaracha because he's wrestling Conan. <laughs> you can't do that in
0: 2021. So we've still got, we've, we're back to Bischoff and Heenan at the desk at the back of the studios here. Mm. Still talking about what happens at Bachelor Beach, which obviously they're going to. And Bischoff is basically now listing the the top liners in WCW, and how you know, as we've said, they are they're all united in this war against the NWO, the outsiders.
1: Yeah, and one of the great points we made on that Bash at the Beach podcast was that you know they didn't get beat, they didn't lose. The top stars, those those did not lose that match, but obviously the the sheer bombshell Hulk it was definitely advantage NWO on that night. They were standing tall. They had the grins on their faces, but they didn't beat anyone. They made a point of doing the fake pinfall and Savage, didn't they? With
0: Hall counting yeah. it. So we're now getting the uh, photographic stills from the main event of Bash at the Beach. Oh, of course, yes, Luger has stretched off, off. We don't know how he is currently.
1: He's definitely full-blown babyface now.
0: Yep. What's the deal between C and Lex Luger? They're on the same page now.
1: So it looks like Benoit was not with the horseman for that promo because he's about to wrestle next. Yes. Against the Pitbull. Sergeant Craig Pittman.
0: He's finally got himself a manager in Teddy Long.
1: But he got rid of the T-shirt that made him famous. The beatings will continue until morale improves. That was such
0: a good phrase. That is a great phrase. The beatings will continue. Till the yeah, range. he had a
1: t-shirt with that on.
0: That's amazing. I've forgotten about that. Hashtag five concussions. <laughs> now, I've got to mention that this is the only venue I've ever known where there's a palm tree in the middle of the entranceway. And by a palm, I don't mean an inflatable palm tree. It might not even be a palm tree. Oh no, it is. Yeah, it's a palm tree. Um, it is literally uh, like fifty-foot-high palm tree. They have to walk around. Well,
1: that's how you can tell that Titus O'Neil isn't a wrestler yet, and he isn't on his shows because he hasn't run headfirst into it.
0: I, and I guess the palm tree was there before the entrance. Was. Well, that's
1: semantics.
0: So, uh, again, we've got a match here where the, uh, the winner is blindingly obvious, but let's see what the match is like.
1: I mean, I don't know about that. I think Benoit's got a chance. Don't, don't write down his chances yet.
0: Okay, I'll give him,
1: I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But just remember, he'd better cheer up soon because
0: the beatings will continue until morale improves. Until. <laughs> Big German suplex and Pip.
1: He's off to a bright start. And why not when you've got a wrestler who will bump like that for you, why not? They're gonna follow well, the this... early credo here, aren't they? Fast pace, no resting, and they'll have the crowd.
0: And make it look stiff. Yeah. yeah. they're they're putting everything into the offense, they're putting everything into the selling
1: it is weird seeing uh, Teddy Long manage, even though we've known him as a manager for so long
0: I remember him in the early days during the, I think, 89, no, no 1990 time with uh, Norman the Lunatic
1: yeah We've covered we've covered many a pay-per-view from the early nineties. We imagine Johnny B. Bad and Doom, and but still, yeah. just the, the GM. I suppose it's a testament to his phase as GM, and obviously also to meme culture that that kind of like really dwarfs everything else he did.
0: Mm. <laughs> and uh, Bishop just said on commentary, there's probably more Hulk Hogan merchandise on sailing garage sales than any any time before in history.
1: What he left out was that it wasn't the fans who took it to the garage sales. It was WCW because they can't force them upon
0: <laughs> the people in the front row anymore. <laughs> yeah. Here's a t-shirt. You will wear it. Benoit has got no, the
1: a cross-face. version of the
0: cross stakes on, and Teddy Long is in the ring. Teddy Long, I think, is, has submitted on behalf of his, his client.
1: That is a ri- that's another awkward finish on a show. Mm. Yeah, that,
0: that could have been a... You, maybe you know, if you're going to do that, just throw a towel in or something. Yeah.
1: I mean, these things get rehearsed. Or they should get rehearsed. They get they get discussed backstage. Obviously, the finish. So surely a lot of wrestlers, then will be thinking, right? Well, how how do we do this to to convey it best? But they've just gone yeah. out there and winged it, and it's come off very awkward.
0: Yeah. I believe now we've got Arne Anderson's music. Oh, one of our
1: favourite entrance themes, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Speaking of which, I mean, um, go on, you say first, because I'm, I'm going off was, on a tangent in a sec.
0: I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's, it's the horseman music as a collective, but we identify it most with Arne Anderson.
1: Yes, and they would then later develop a new horseman theme, which would be, I think, the final Doe horseman theme. And uh, you know that one as well. It's, it's pretty famous, well-known. Um, is it just me, or is that that 9899 Horseman theme the very clear uh, inspiration for AEW's pinnacle theme? Have you heard that?
0: I can't remember. It sounds though, a that.
1: lot like the 98 Horseman song.
0: I would have to have a listen to them both. I don't. I mm. can't think of it off the top, top of my head. So here comes a very subdued Sting.
1: Oh, man. I I was going to say, Sting and Arn have both told a huge story with their faces alone making their entrances. Considering they've gone back and forth in singles and tags on Nitro since it began, they've already given this very samey, very familiar match a different feel. Yeah. Heenan's really putting over Sting's fighting spirit at Bash of the
0: Beach. Mm. Bischoff is supposedly getting messages here. We may have guests. They're Uh telling me in the back, which obviously means the outsiders.
1: Mm. And as I said, one of my favourite hidden highlights... Of, of this coverage has been the fact that Bischoff really goes out of his way to not use their names.
0: And Ooh. I always like
1: that. Arnold offered a handshake at the start of this one and Sting just glared at him.
0: So yeah, this... This match might have a different feel to it because it's based around the the overarching storyline with yeah. Bash at the Beach. And Bischoff has now for the third time kind of um plugged the fact that they'll be showing pictures of what happened in a little bit during this show. But he's also mentioned that the pictures don't tell you the whole story, which obviously is carny for by the encore presentation, if
1: I Yeah, give me your money. I mean, let's face it just about everything said and done in wrestling is code for give me your money (laughs) yes (laughs) some in an above board fair enough way take it or leave it, you know up to if you want to give your money to this company some in a, you know, global false gold way Force. I'm really pulling uh, these references out of my ass today aren't I?
0: I I can't fault you for it really. <laughs> oh.
1: thank you I consider that to be a doffed cap <laughs> oh Arn's going for a pole drive on the floor he's not messing about he's gone from offering pretty much handshake to trying to break his neck on the concrete <laughs> on the which is which is on brand for the horseman yeah
0: And uh, I, I had a little, a little bit of very, very, very small amount of buffering there, but I think we're, we're okay. I think we're still going to be, uh, we're still going to be more or less in sync.
1: Okay, well, as long as we're by and large, we'll keep rolling on. We'll do this, you know, unscripted, unplanned.
0: Yeah. Well, my, on my version, Arn Anderson is just climbing back into the ring. He's just gone through the ropes. There we go. He's in.
1: And now we've Um, got the ad break that's not going to be an ad break for us.
0: Indeed. The ad break where they go to a long headlock for the live audience. As we have another Blood Runs Cold um, promo. That's the
1: second one this show. They're starting to amp it up, sort of. Um, But yeah, you're right in that they probably are going for just a rest hold. And one thing I did think about that early start to match, aside from the pole driver spot, is they're working that very slow pace. Which is understandable yep. in the tone. And it's also refreshing considering we've had everything else on the show. But you could also hear in the crowd the kind of do you know when the when the when the the noise and the voices fracture because they're really not hooked onto a slow burner. So
0: it'll take Good. a few
1: sting flows, I think, to get the decibel levels back up is, is what I'm suspecting. Yeah. Oh, leapfrog attempt into a spine buster. We've talked nice. about simple spots that just look beautiful with this. And that was one of them.
0: And, I mean, in the Arn Anson spine buster is usually him sending people off the ropes. But, yeah, that, that was a different setup. But the same great execution.
1: Talk Apparently a black limousine, limousine yeah. has
0: pulled up, yeah.
1: This is not a good thing, says Bischoff.
0: Thinking about the ratings. Hmm. So, I really like how so much... Is, sorry, you go for
1: it. I was just going to say, I like how much comments you are talking about. How Sting was showing a new level of physicality last night. And obviously, it's hard to tell what he's thinking in this slow burn of a match. We are seeing those first stages of the transformation, you could say.
0: Ah, oh, this
1: is true, yes. The prelude to, it, to his whole revamp.
0: Yeah. And, and the start of an image, which he is still carrying to this to this day, given that he was wrestling last week on um double or nothing oh, for oh, mean, I've I've
1: I've got to go on another sidebar here. Did you watch that? How good was that tag yes. match?
0: It was amazing. How shockingly enjoyable old. oh man. And and the thing was he was, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was just a couple of guest pop spots, you know, just tag in, quickly do a spot tag out again. Yeah, you know, he he carried he, he pulled his weight, he carried his load for sure. He did, and yet I also felt... Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was it. It was was amazing. (laughs) It it reminded me of when um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat wrestled at WrestleMania at that time against Jericho. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just like, wow, this is like nothing's changed. This is like the wrestler I remember from 20 years ago.
1: And that's a good comparison to make because I was going to point out that even though, yeah, he did carry his fair share, and it weren't like they really reduced him to just, like, one move, I still nonetheless thought that they timed his involvement and contained it perfectly. And you remember, with that Ricky Steamboat thing, they, you know, with a handicap match setting, they ran through all this Snooker and Piper doing quick spots, and they built to Steamboat stepping into the ring last. And that's yeah. when they pulled off the sequence. So even though he carried his fair share... I thought he was really well protected nonetheless. They got, they got it absolutely perfect as far as how much he did and how much time he spent in the ring. And that finish with a spring ball cutter counter
0: to the death drop. Mm. It, was a really, it was just a really good match. Really match. Arn Anson, this match has now got Sting in a Boston Crab you don't often see Arne Anderson do, and we've just now got the black limo. There he is. Ah. So Bischoff is uh, surmising that they could be watching the show from inside their limo. He's also been... In, I was going to say in his head, but out loud, he has been thinking about who uh, is available from WCW to defend them against these guys, hmm. should there be any trouble.
1: I just love the way they're referring to them as, as they and them. Makes them seem yeah. even... The, the presence is off the charts, and they've not shown up once yet. There's no even There's no even guarantee that they're the ones who will come out of that limo on this show. But the presence oh. they exude in, and it's a testament to everyone else's uh, promo
0: and commentary work. Ooh. It is, it is a clear direction, and it works. And it's because it's, it's what you shouldn't ever do in commentary. You know, you shouldn't. It's, it's the old Vince McMahon saying, "Pronouns, pal," isn't it? It's that rather than him and he and they, you give names. But we've just seen, I think Nash has just been walking out of the car then. The limo. It's
1: lovely timing. Just as the, just as the, like the long running Sting Anderson match with a slow build, is reaching fever pitch. Here they come. This has been timed brilliantly.
0: There's just Hall and Nash, no Hogan.
1: Security and not letting them through.
0: No, right, there's Doug Dellinger and the uh, the indie wrestler police
1: and Sting and Arn have stopped fighting. They're side by side now. Nah. Yeah. Here's Savage. What I love
0: is the fact that security has. Uh, oh, here's Savage. Security has a mullet, immediately telling you he's an independent wrestler. Yes, yeah, so I think this is. Oh, um, no, Arn Hansen's just just attacked Sting. He went for a DDT. Sting <laughs> blocked it by holding onto the ropes and is now clamped on the scorpion death log.
1: It went very They've badly suddenly stopped.
0: for him. Yeah, it suddenly stopped with them being together to them fight each other. Now, Savage is trying to fight them because, I don't know if you know, Liam, but Randy Savage is out of control. Is he? Well, what's the so. deal
1: between Sting and Ex Luger?
0: Uh, they're on the same page. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. We will have to retire that one.
0: Yeah, that ship is safe.
1: I have to say, Hall and Nash are carrying themselves very much how they did on the last Nitro. Even though obviously we know Hogan now, commentary are talking about it. They are, they are acting exactly how they did before the bombshell was dropped. I'm guessing yeah. they're having to do some sort of awkward delay tactic on the angle. Because Hogan's filming or something, I don't know?
0: Possibly, yeah. Because, yeah, he was filming at this point in time, wasn't he? That's why he'd been away for a long time.
1: We well, obviously managed to make the bash at the beach. And obviously, yeah. the, the infamous discussions trying to talk him into it were done from a trailer, I remember, in Bischoff's book and also the WSW book,
0: how yeah.
1: they'd have to go to Hogan's trailer on set to talk him into doing the turn?
0: Yeah. Oh. Sting is not surprised by the Hogan turn. Oh, from the two outsiders. So he expects it from Hall and Nash. He didn't expect it from Hogan. Hmm. So, ah, he's saying that Hogan didn't want to travel with the rest of them. He wanted to travel in his own limousine.
1: Walking on the Darts, that's a reference to uh, that little midlife crisis period, isn't it?
0: Or Bobby Eaton's hometown.
1: (laughs) It's interesting to see that come into play again, though, isn't it?
0: Hmm. He says he wipes out
1: every little kid, every fan who looked up to him.
0: Yeah. Sting's now getting worked out. This is the most uh, lively and passionate Sting interview I've heard in in ages.
1: Just like his match with Arn, he's building up and building up. It's really well structured. It's really nice stuff. Sorry, romance is dead when it comes to me, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you told you them stick to stick it. it. Yeah. Yeah. All of you people can stick it. So they're referencing the promo from Hogan.
1: Always going to be interesting.
0: You're never going to join the NWO, are you, Match?
1: It made sense that he did, to be fair. That was... I I like that as a can't beat them, join them, move. You know, you run run the feud between Babyface Savage and Hill Hogan that you haven't done before, and then you have him join because the focus then goes on the stings, the DDPs.
0: I guess so. Because then otherwise, you've got nothing for Hogan to do, for, for Savage to do.
1: He's quite calm for Savage.
0: (laughs) Seeing as he's out of control.
1: I did hear that about him.
0: Yeah. Apparently you multiply something by a million and then you multiply it by infinity and beyond. Is this Scott Steiner maths class again?
1: To be fair, Toy Story had just come out.
0: The crowd are responding well to that, these promos. As we said, Savage is a big crossover star. You know, people who aren't necessarily big wrestling fans know who the Macho Man is. These are
1: these are two larger-than-life superstars giving relatively subdued promos over the shock of what happened, and yet they're still putting so much colour and personality and vividness into it, aren't they? It's really good to watch. Yeah. Oh, now we've got Hall and Nash.
0: These two gentlemen...
1: They don't deserve names, Dean. You know that.
0: So, and Jean just, just go through what happened last night in the main event. They're still saying we'll see a little bit later. We still haven't seen the uh, photos stills.
1: That's literally going to be the conclusion of the show, isn't it?
0: I think so, yeah, main event. You, sir, as he calls him then. My friend. So Nash is called Gene Gene. He's giving him a name. WCW and the
1: fans took a beating.
0: Now... I'm just looking in the background, and I'm sure it isn't this way, just the way it's set up. It just looks like loads and loads of people are walking out of the venue. Mm. So you say Hogan's going to be at Nitro next week?
1: This is a rather awkward promo. It is. This just, is one of those interviews that feels like they're really trying to improvise on time management, isn't it?
0: Yeah. As loads of people walk out.
1: Well, me and Gene implied that maybe Hall and Nash forced Hogan to do this. Well, he looked pretty happy doing it to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're just calling themselves the Outsiders, which is what they are named on the pay-per-view.
1: He's claiming they kicked their butts. Obviously, it was a very inconclusive match, but they got the edge.
0: Yeah. I'd say they won. Even mentally, psychologically, they kicked their butts. Just just called him Scheme Gene. Yeah. Which was the uh, name that uh, they used in the um, billionaire Ted skits in WWF.
1: They've just confirmed that Hogan's on a set burner movie. Yeah. I gotta say, of all the aura that whole match and angle built up, and the storyline as a whole, this promo that I that I hadn't recalled myself, or or, or even maybe I hadn't seen it when it transpired, because obviously as I've said before, my my viewing during real time of of this time frame was was sketchy. I didn't watch every episode in order. Yeah. You have to pick up on some stuff secondhand. But that promo really humanised them a lot more than it should have. Mm. It did a little bit of damage that aura the whole thing had built up. Would have been better if they weren't even on camera at all, to be honest. What we were saying the presence of the commentators built up without them even showing up.
0: Yeah, they'd have been better off just yeah. not being on the show. And you know, you're right. The last thing we're going to see on this episode of Nitro is the. Photo recap of the main event last night,
1: which itself would have more of an effect if we didn't just see Hornash chat to Mean Gene like they're all down the pub.
0: It it wasn't a very memorable promo, it wasn't a very good promo. I mean, I suppose they're on, they're outside the the venue because they are the outsiders.
1: Yeah, but if you've not got access to Hogan for this episode, you might as well just keep them all off screen. Because you you've been in situations, daily wrestling promotions, where a wrestler is fit and available to a, to either wrestle or at least appear, but those in charge choose to to not to do that because there's more value in them not showing up. On that episode, there's definitely been other examples, I'm, I'm certain of it. And this, this, I'd say, is one of them. There'd have been more presence from this new group if they had just not shown up at all. And you I don't know it, when yeah, they're going to strike again.
0: It's watered down without, you know, the impact is Hogan. Heal Hogan's first mm. appearance, which which we haven't had. So yeah, we've we've seen Hall and Nash. The, the novelty, the focus is now all on Heel Hogan.
1: Oh, Heenan's got some fire here. Mm. Oh, this is great from Heenan. Well, do you think everyone's been riding his coattails? No, it's been built because of all of us. That's a babyface turn, if you ask me. <laughs> So that's a bit better of a finish after that stale outsiders promo.
0: Yeah, but a great promo from Heenan. And I don't think it's I, I don't think it's a, a babyface turn from Heenan. I just think it's Heenan's still still the same character. He's always been the same heel. Yeah. But it's it's emphasizing how the this action of Hogan has has turned the babyfaces and the heels to, together as
1: WCW, basically. Oh, no, you're right. That's exactly what it was. But for, with just that little monologue there, if they wanted him in a, in an active on-screen role, he could have easily been a Bayface just off the power of that alone. But as yeah. we know, and as I'm sure he was much happy with, he'd stay commentating. Yeah, I mean, if it, if he wasn't going to get lured in full-time by the the angle that ran into Great American Bash where he sided with a Horseman, if that wasn't going to make him want to want to go on the road and and do managing and take bumps, then nothing was, was going to.
0: Very true. Very true. But overall, I'd say thumbs up for that show.
1: Yeah, like it it, it was fun. I know I, I do tend to really go microscopic and under the hood when I analyse a lot of these things. But then, you know, if... If we're, if we're going to be covering these things, we may as well. We do like to get into the context and the and the side stories, and we'll analyse and things like that. But at the end of the day, most of those most of those matches were really enjoyable. It was fun looking at exactly how they kept a different crowd on the on the short leash and kept them Ooh. engaged in the product. Uh, but the, the the two things that just took away from a, from an overall good episode. Were some of those match finishes that really didn't stick the landing and that Outsiders promo that just kind of took yeah. a bit of gloss off, off of them.
0: Yeah. But I mean, the other thing was, yeah, you know, the matches, you the the two, it was bookend, the the show was bookended by two longer matches. Both Mysterio beating Milenko for the Cruiserweight Belt and the Sting Iron Ansem match went sort of 12 and a half minutes. And then the other matches were like, were, were shorter. I mean, Guerrero and Psychosis is eight and a half, but then you got the Steiner's match was six minutes, Flair's match was six minutes, and Benoit and Pittman was three minutes. So, yeah, they, they kept those pretty short.
1: Yeah. The action was good for the most part. I really did enjoy that Arm match. It just had a different vibe about it, and yet they still kept a good structure, built up the match, got to a crescendo, and that's when the Outsiders came out. Um, yeah. Bit I suppose bit bit of a bit of a mess with Arn standing side by side against the outside and then suddenly thinking, oh wait, I've got a chance to D D T him here. But uh, yeah. I suppose it's on brand, you can't argue that.
0: Yeah. And um over on uh, over on Raw it was a pretty uh pretty weak lineup on Raw for um a recorded edition. They had what turned out to be the ultimate Warriors last ever match on Raw. He beat the other he beat Owen Hart. But before then, they uh, had an opening segment where Gorilla Monsoon announced he'd been indefinitely suspended for failing to show up to some house shows, and that was it for him. He wouldn't appear in the, in the WWF TV or WWTV tour, that Hall of Fame, of course. Um, Savio Vega beat Justin Bradshaw, and the main event was Vader and David Roy Smith the Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin. So, yeah, it was easily uh, won for Raw. Um I mean that one for Nitro.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that, but I've got to say that is is it just me that finds that main event could have had really underappreed uh really underappreciated horse battle potential. True. Because the yeah. Godwin I know it was a hideous gimmick, but the Godwins were no slouches when it you know, hey, you weren't them just getting a ring and, and tear it up.
0: Yeah, but they're always mean Mark Hansbury and Shanghai Pierce to me. Exactly. Such yeah. a stupid name and stupid gimmick that made no sense. But I bloody loved Shanghai Pierce.
1: I did love that match they had with LOD. It was it SummerSlam 97 where they dropped the goofiness of the of the redneck gimmick. Got a little more. They become heel, didn't they? Got a little more jaded. And they just went into this grudge match because it was when um, Hawk accidentally broke Henry's neck on the doomsday device, weren't it? Ah. I suppose they both did. It's a, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a bad ejection, a bad launch, and he landed right on his head. And so he came back after his injury, and they've had this, like, this feud set the match at SummerSlam. And I thought that was a good host. That was up there with the Steiners and Nasties who we had on this show.
0: Yeah. True. Very true. Now I'm, I'm, i just, i I've just looked ahead to next week's lineup. Um, yes. It's. It's not looking to be a classic. However, do you remember when? Uh, do you remember who was wrestling when when Scott Hall made his initial appearance on Nitro?
1: It was uh, Mike Enos or the Mauler. Yes. And Steve Dole.
0: Yes. And uh, the Mauler was the new protege of Colonel Robert Parker, I believe.
1: That didn't go really to plan and now Parker's just showing up ruining random tag team matches yeah. with nonsense well, sense co-appearances
0: yeah well next week Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry will be defending their world tag team titles against the team of Rough and Ready which is Dick Slater and Mike Enos with their manager Colonel Rob Parker so in a roundabout way the mauler is back
1: i is back. The real star of May 27th.
0: Indeed. Um, and uh, the main event has got um, again the, the WCW's selection of title contenders is very odd because we had Jim Powers challenging uh, Ric Flair for the US title having never won a match on television. And uh, next week's main event has got Lex Levy defending the world television title against Big Bubba who has just lost on pay-per-view to John Tenter.
1: Who loses all of the matches?
0: All of the matches. Yeah. yeah. So um. So yeah, that should be uh. That should be fun. I'm determined to find out why there is the MGM. We're going to have to tweet this out. Somewhere. We've
1: got more watch-alongs to come. I'm sure we'll squeeze in the pay-per-view episode very soon as well.
0: Indeed. Next time
1: we do a watch-along, Dean, I'm sure we'll be more prepared for the whole topic because we we've got a little bit of a ride on this, haven't we?
0: Yeah, we've we've got a yeah there's a there's a community out there that people will know
1: yeah we've got we, we got a few episodes of Project Disney so we've got plenty of time to address it
0: indeed. right. I think that wraps things up quite nicely for us. Um, don't forget that you can listen to the entire batter catalog at uh, because com or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW or on Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. Quite a lot of new people joining on board on Facebook this week. So welcome to you. And uh, we'll be back very shortly, as you say, with uh, probably a pay-per-view if we come up next. But yeah. yeah, thank you for downloading. And if you like what you hear, do tell a friend. Um, if you think they are rubbish, then keep it to yourself. Uh, we'll be back. And so on behalf of Liam, this has been the Twisted Genius saying, I'll see you, Ringside.